these are the times when things get real crazy and you have to have everything on that float by Friday morning. So you don't basically, sleep a lot. no. And Thursday is our all nighter. We everyone's out here on Thursday night and doing that. And then, um, you know, it's just kind of one of those pull it together and that's Paige McNamara one of the float chairs for the Chi Omega sorority who's teaming with fraternity Phi Kappa Chi in this year's homecoming parade months of planning and hundreds of man hours have gone into this year's float the contents of which we can't reveal until tomorrow floats are a big deal at Baylor as Greek organizations compete against each other knowing that their float becomes a representation of the group to the public Patrick Sims is a float chair for FICAI who remembers enjoying the floats long before he was building one. I'm actually a third generation Baylor student. I've, legi I've legitimately not missed a homecoming since pretty much before I was mm -hmm. born. And I, I, I remember growing up, like going to the parade all the time, looking at all the floats and being like, those are so cool. And now I'm actually building one. And it's kind of crazy to me that the impact that I could be having on some little kid that you know, might, might one day come to Baylor. That seems kind of, seems kind of cliche and all that, but honestly, I feel like it's true. And I feel like it's, this float is such a representation of not only, not only um, our organization and it's good for the alumni, it's good for the people at, um, as a good recruitment tool, but it's a good reflection of Baylor. I mean, there's a reason that Baylor has one of the, the, the oldest and longest um, uh, parades and, and collegiate parades, student run parades in the nation. And I feel like we're a big part of that. I think it's pretty cool. That reflection on Cayo, FICAI, and Baylor lead organizations to not only spend long hours building the floats, but also to put a pretty large amount of money into the effort. Last year, Cayo competed in Class A, meaning they could spend an unlimited amount of money on the float. This year, they're in Class B, limited to $2,500. That limitation, says Paige, Patrick, and fellow float chair Emily Erickstad, causes them to be more resourceful and creative. We're using a lot of old materials that have been used before, and so it's kind of neat to see how far we can take the materials and, you know, reuse them as far as that goes. And uh, it, it feels better than having to ski in my debit card a million times. So, Yeah, we definitely have to be really creative with how we get, get stuff on that float and how we, um, you know, how we can not spend money on stuff. And it, honestly, I think that's part of the huge fun of, cl of Class B is that we get to um, stay within a budget and still create something that looks and looks really impressive and we didn't spend as much money on as everybody else thinks we did. Because I remember in years past, people, people have come up, to, um, come up to us and been like, how much money did you spend on that? And we, we tell them and they're just like, no way, that's not true, there's no way, you know, it's just because... We have to be creative. You have to. Says Sims, when you find an opportunity to get something inexpensively or better yet for free, you better jump on it, particularly in Class B. We actually, um, we got a text message from one of the foot chairs um, before we even had our site, and he said, there's a bunch of wood behind Waco, Waco Hall. It's from after dark. They're not using it. We need to jump on it. So we went out and grabbed a bunch of the wood that, that um, Baylor wasn't using anymore, and it was in these, um, they were using them as, as kind of trust supports for something that's for part of the stages they were using. We actually didn't even take them apart. We literally just put them straight on there and because they, the, they were the perfect height. Even with the financial restrictions, $2,500 for a float can still be a lot of money, and it takes a high degree of teamwork to put it all together. All the float chairs said it can be difficult managing the dozens of members who all have to work on it at some point, and they occasionally have to employ their political or conflict resolution skills when people have differing ideas on what they want to work on or what needs to be done on the float. For instance, no one is above stripping newspaper for paper mache, as the approximately 1,500 shredded newspapers on the float would attest. Most of the work isn't glamorous. And it can occasionally be physically hazardous as well, as Emily Erickstad found out while working on this year's float. 
I was standing on a board um, one night and I was like, this is, this is secure, right? And they're like, yeah, it's got nails in it, no big deal. So I'm sitting there like on one foot, um, paper macheing, and all of a sudden the board like splits out from under me, fall to the foot. I laid on my feet somehow. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was just kind of, oh my gosh, I nearly died on our float. And I didn't hurt the mountain. See, the thing is, they weren't looking at me. They were looking like, how are we going to reconstruct this thing you just broke? <laughs> but amidst the controlled chaos, the float takes shape, with very noticeable amounts of change taking place in the 24 hours between my visits out there. And 24 hours from now, it'll be on the road to campus, ready to be judged and to take place in what just may be the largest homecoming parade in the nation. We'll see how Kayo and Phi Kai do and find out what takes place in tomorrow's final frantic hours. For KWBU News, I'm Derek Smith.